Well, good morning, church. Good morning, and good morning to those of you that have joined us online as well. Grateful uh, to be here with you guys uh, this morning. One more um, announcement for us. The information will come up on, on the slide. Uh, there are some women's gatherings and an event that's coming up that we want to make sure that you know about Wednesdays. Um, there are two different studies that are happening. One is a Bible study that happens here um, on our campus um, in the Children's Center, and then another is a Wednesday night book study, uh, reading through the book, the women read through the book, Everything Sad is Untrue. Um, and then there is, on Saturday, October 15th, there is going to be a, uh, a night of feasting and celebration. And women, what you'll notice at your tables um, is that there is a, a sheet there where you can, um, it's partly registering and partly letting um, those that are putting the event on um, that you're coming, and if you'd like to bring a dessert or if you'd like to lead a reading, I'm going to have Dana Ryan raise her hand so you know who she is. Um, there she is, and, and post-service, I know that Dana would love the opportunity to, to connect with you, chat you, chat with you about these uh, different studies and the event that is coming up uh, here. So, all right. Well, we've been in a sermon series um, that we just started last week called The Table. And the heartbeat behind this series is understanding that when you look over the pages of Scripture, that what you'll discover is that meals are all over the pages of Scripture. We talked about it last week, that it surely seems like God is the original foodie, um, that God loves a good meal. And it isn't that he just loves a good meal. God loves to share a meal. Um, one of the quotes that we brought up last week was from Tim Chester, uh, where he basically said that, that, that God created the world so that we might share a meal with him. Um, the story starts in a garden, and the story ends in a banquet and continues in a banquet. And, it, and, and a meal becomes this incredible, um, tangible expression of what our relationship with God looks like, not just individually, but as a people, what our relationship with God looks like, and that also includes one another, what, what it looks like to be in fellowship and community with each other. Um, we've been starting off, again, we just started last week, but we've been starting off with an icebreaker discussion type question. That question will come up on the screen. Before you go there, though, um, those that are watching online, you can actually go to the front page of, of our website right now, faithsandiego.org, and you will see a Zoom link there. That Zoom link will connect you, not with Jeremiah, but it will connect you with Danny. Don't be confused. Um, it'll connect you with Danny, and he's going to host a little uh, time there for you guys. So we're going to turn to our tables right now, about a five-minute discussion. The question for us to start off with on this topic of food, all of us have experienced some kind of memorable meal fail. Share a funny or memorable moment with your table of a time things did not go according to plan. I want you to take about five minutes uh, sharing that with one another. As you're coming back together, I'm going to be reading from Deuteronomy uh, chapter 8. Deuteronomy chapter 8, I'm going to be reading from the New International Version, the NIV. It will not be coming up on the screen. You only have a little uh, verse of, of the chapter that I'm going to be reading. Um, I am going to be reading the whole chapter, Deuteronomy chapter 8. Let's, let's pray. Father, as we, um, oh, as we have the opportunity right now to pause, to reflect on, to read your word, 
Father, we, we don't want to treat this moment as just simply mundane or, or ordinary. Um, we, we quite literally get the opportunity right now to, to open up your word and, and to know your voice, to know the things that you have spoken to, to your people. Um, so Lord, as we, as we stop and as we read your word, um, Holy Spirit, I pray that you might be giving us ears to hear the things that you are saying. Um, Lord, for those that are in a place of, of discouragement right now, for those that are um, in a place where they are seemingly disconnected or feeling disconnected uh, from you, Lord, I pray that you might continue to, to create hunger, appetite within us for your presence. Continue to give us greater awareness of your presence. Let us know um, your voice spoken to us and let us know that you are working in our lives, even though we might not see it, even though we might not be fully aware of it, um, that your hand is upon your beloved. And so, Lord, we thank you for that. And uh, we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Be careful to follow every command I'm giving you today, so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land the, uh, the Lord promised an oath to your ancestors. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothes did not wear out. Your feet did not swell during these 40 years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. Observe the commands of the Lord your God, walking in obedience to him and revering him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with brooks, streams, and deep springs gushing out into the valleys and hills, a land with wheat and barley, vines and fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil, and honey, a land where bread will not be scarce and you will lack nothing, a land where the rocks are iron and you can dig copper out of the hills. When you have eaten and are satisfied, Praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I'm giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large, and your silver and gold increase, and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud, and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He led you through the vast and dreadful wilderness, that thirsty and waterless land with its venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought you water out of hard rock, he gave you manna to eat in the wilderness, something your ancestors had never known to humble and test you so that in the end you, it might go well with you. You may say to yourselves, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant with which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. If you ever forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and worship abound down to them, I testify you today that I will surely, it will, you will surely be destroyed like the nations that the Lord destroyed before you, so you'll be destroyed for not obeying the Lord your God. I 
have a ice maker on my refrigerator door. That may seem completely inconsequential to your life, um, but for as long as I can remember, I have always wanted an ice maker on my refrigerator door. For me, that was the height of luxury. That was, I remember walking into other families' homes and seeing their ice maker on their door, and even with a little bit of fear and trepidation in my heart, like wondering, can I ask them if I can use their ice maker? And even if you guys maybe have experienced this before, you walk into people's houses and you're not quite sure, like, am I allowed to push the crushed button or not? Because if you've ever been in that scenario, you know if you push the crush button, so like the person in the house may go, don't do that, because it'll get stuck on that setting, or we'll never get whole ice again. I remember dishing up ice into my cup and looking at Larissa and celebrating with her. I can't believe that we have an ice maker on our door now. Her response was this, me? Two. <laughs> she responded and said, like, as, like, in my mind as a kid, if you had an ice maker on your refrigerator door, you have arrived. You've made it. Listen, something has overtaken my heart recently, though. My heart has grown more cold than the ice that comes out of my refrigerator door. Just even recently, this past week, I put my cup up to the refrigerator door, and there was just the sound of the gears working. And I don't know what it is about ice inside of your freezer. It's like they're playing a game on us, where they're just like talking to one another and saying, hold, hold. Drop half an ice just to keep them there, and then all of a sudden, everything falls out, and it just comes gushing out of, out of the door. And then ice comes out, and ice cubes fall onto my floor, and now I am grumbling. Now I am complaining. This dumb ice maker. walk into the kitchen sometimes and I see my boys just so nonchalantly putting their cup up to our door, getting ice whenever they want. And I think, you have no idea the luxury that you live in. <laughs> I longed for this as a kid. And there they are, watching ice cubes fall to the kitchen floor and just walk away, <laughs> ignoring the ice. I, I'm not lying. I almost died last night because I slipped on melted ice in the middle of my kitchen. You know those moments that like your, your life flashes completely before your eyes, and I'm grabbing for the stove handle so that way, or the oven handle so I don't crash to the ground. I just always, these kids, they just let ice melt all over the floor. 
here's the scenario in Deuteronomy chapter 8. The Lord uses a season of empty stomachs to reveal to the Israelites what's happening in their hearts. They're hungry. There's longing. There's longing that exists within them, and you'll see this cycle begin to take place where they're hungry, they complain, the Lord feeds them. They're tired of the food that the Lord is feeding them. They grumble, they complain, the Lord gives them quail. They're thirsty, and they grumble and complain, life would be better if we were back under Egyptian rule, and the Lord gives them water to drink. All along, this is what he's revealing to them. Your heart isn't craving me, it's just craving a good meal. You're thankful for the food, but not for the giver of the food. And I'm keeping you in this wilderness to teach you. That food will never be enough. That food will never be enough. Learn to be sustained by me. It's not that you have manna. It is that you have me. I am your daily bread. And what I hope for us to just simply reflect on this morning is this. Every time I eat, there is potential for me to be reminded I am not self-sustained. Yes, I need this food to live, but more than that, I need more than this food to live. I am not fully sustained by food. Even if my belly was full, I would still be in need. It is good to eat this burrito, but I do not live on tortilla alone. There's more. I need to remember how the Lord is the one that leads and sustain, sustains me. He, is, he alone is the one that satisfies. Listen, God keeps the Israelites in, with, a, with a limit in the wilderness. He didn't immediately place them in a land flowing with milk and honey, but this was a training ground for them to learn to crave him, for, him, for them to discover that nothing else was going to satisfy them. If they were going to truly be satisfied, then their eating could not happen apart from God. And it seems like the formation that the Lord is hoping to cultivate within their hearts is for them to have maybe even a, 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 a mindset or a dialogue within their hearts that might look something like this. What we're realizing about ourselves is that we aren't satisfied by bread. We literally were given daily bread and we still grumbled. This bread isn't going to do it for us. This quail is not what satisfies. There is something more than bread that we need. There's something more. This won't be enough. Can we talk about Jesus for a little bit? I hope you say yes to that. Um, <laughs> Jesus craved the wilderness. Jesus craved the wilderness. And there, there was this mindset that, that I, I had that 
that when Jesus is in the wilderness, that first time in the wilderness where he's fasting for 40 days and the, and the enemy appears to him, that Jesus is at his weakest point. That, that now is the space where, where he is he's vulnerable because he's been in the wilderness, isolated for 40 days. But what you realize that as, as particularly as Luke writes his gospel account to us, well, look at the way that, that it plays out in Luke chapter 4. Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. Jesus ate nothing at all that time and became very hungry. But in the very next chapter, what's absolutely intriguing is that when Luke writes, continues to write to us, he'll, he tells us that Jesus often withdrew. It's the exact same word to the wilderness. Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. That the wilderness wasn't this incredible point of vulnerability or, or weakness for Jesus. It is the place that he always longed to go back to. And what Jesus absolutely embodies for us and demonstrates to us is that we don't live on bread alone. That he always longed to get back to the place where he would be fully satisfied. And that was going to be in connection with his father. That was the place of his strength. That was the place that, that continued to, to fuel and sustain him as he, as he did ministry here on earth. So hopefully something gets established in the hearts of the Israelites. Hopefully they've learned through their hunger that God is the one to crave. More than stopping at being thankful for their food, that they were meant to be thankful for God. But here's the danger that lies ahead of them. What happens when that hunger is gone? What happens when their bellies are full? God's going to now place them into a good land. They're going to be surrounded by wheat and barley, vines and fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil and honey, right? They're going to be in a land where bread will not be scarce and they will lack nothing. God And God lets them know, listen, you're going to have full bellies. I'm going to now lead you from a space from empty stomachs to full bellies. And when we make this transition, when you have full bellies, you will need to be careful that you don't forget me. You're going to eat, and you're eventually going to start thinking that you're sustained by your own efforts. So God gives them a directive. When you eat, praise the Lord. Every meal, every meal for us, whatever that may look like in your own life rhythms, two times, three times, five times a day, every meal has the potential to have this formative space in our lives where we get to remember the Lord. Every meal that we have has this opportunity for us to stop and to be reminded, I am sustained by the Lord. To pause and to remember, I don't just live by this waffle I'm about to eat alone. This alone is not what's going to satisfy me. This alone is not what's going to sustain me for the day. They were learning to be grateful for the Lord, not just for bread. Now, listen, when you, they'll have a whole bunch of bread, they're in danger of no longer being grateful at each meal. They're going to see daily manna 
They're not going to see daily manna. Instead, they're going to see fruitful soil. And when this change happens, they're going to think that it's their own strength that is producing the food out of that soil. And listen, I, I think that what we run into in, in our own space is it used to be that you would go you know, down to the other part of town and you would literally interact with a guy named Vaughn, Ralph, and Joe to trade for your food, right? Like, and, and, and you would be there in this setting where you would see the miracle of food being produced. And, and now we have this level of disconnect with where we live where we can walk into a store and everything's nice and organized for us. We can put things into a basket, and then we have the perception that my money equals food. And now we're in this vulnerable space where we don't realize that there is this incredible network of food production that's happening all around us, people that are harvesting the food, people that are shipping the food, people that are stocking the food, and, and not stopping to realize in those spaces, the Lord is the one that's behind this. He's the one that is sustaining us. Listen to the way that, that Jesus' brother James says it. So don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down from us to us from God our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. That every meal has this opportunity to remind us this good thing that you are partaking of. This is a gift from the Lord. He's the one that is providing for you. Friends, I used to be grateful for my ice maker. And this change has happened in my heart. Now I think I deserve ice on demand. And we're all susceptible to that little shift happening within us. We're all susceptible to this place where we move from seeing creation as a gift to creation as a possession. And every meal that we partake of allows us to be reminded this is not a possession, this is a gift. And I can be grateful for it. And I can be reminded the Lord is the one that satisfies. And I am grateful that he's the one that is sustaining me. Gratitude helps me to remember I am sustained by the Lord. This bread will never be enough. But I do see this bread in, a prop, in its proper context. This bread is the tangible expression of God's made, love made delicious. You are sustaining me through this bread, Lord. And so this week in your table groups, um, you're going to see this, this simple spiritual practice, this spiritual discipline called gratitude. 
And um, there are some printouts that are around your table for those of you that would like the printout to, to have with your table groups this week or for you to reflect on. It's also on the front page of our website. I only printed two of them. So on the front page of our website, you'll see faithsandiego.org on the resources tab. You'll see resource guide week two, and it'll allow you just to reflect on what does it look like to enter into the practice of gratitude this week. Again, let me ask the question, can we talk about Jesus? Yes? Always. Oh, he's good. Thank you. <laughs> Let's look to Jesus. Jesus broke bread and he gave thanks. The author and sustainer of life gave thanks. I came across this little reflection this week. When our master took seven loaves and a few little fishes and fed 4,000, he gave thanks. When he broke five loaves and two fishes and fed 5,000, he gave thanks. When Christ bowed his head at the Last Supper with the disciples, he gave thanks. When he asked to have dinner with the disciples on the road to Emmaus, he gave thanks. And so it is no wonder that Christ was able to give thanks for the provision of the Father in the midst of his suffering. It was a habit for him. It was, it was what he lived out. So on the very night that he was betrayed, what did he do? What was his action? He grabbed the bread, knowing that it was representing his very betrayal and his body being broken, and this is what he does. Thank you. Thank you. We're going to take a moment around our tables and we're going to enter into communion. And then after you have opportunity to, to have communion with one another, I'll gather us back together. But here's the verse. It'll come up on the screen. I believe that I put 1 Corinthians 11 before this um, slide there. It says, the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Jesus absolutely demonstrates us to us every meal, even, even your very last meal, can be this opportunity, this space that is jam-packed with potential for you to remember the Lord and his goodness extended to you. Would you turn to the table around you and maybe you could pick someone at the table to read um, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. If you go to that next slide, you'll see the direction um, there on it. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And then when you pass the plate around, um, the way that I do it, you don't have to do it this way, but it's a, just a simple way where you could hand that bread to someone and say, this is the body of Christ, which is broken for you. And then as, you, as they dip, you can speak this blessing over them, the blood of Jesus, which was shed for the forgiveness of sins. Would you take a moment around your tables and give thanks as you do so? Well, as we gather back together, there'll be some discussion um, questions that I'm going to bring up on the, or the, the team will bring up on the screen um, right now. For those of you that are watching online, we'll also have that go full uh, screen uh, there. And um, let me, by the way, as those questions come up, let me also remind you that as we have opportunity to, to discuss around the table with one another, that if you would prefer to just sit back and enjoy the dialogue that's happening around the table, 
absolutely take that posture. Um, in no way do we want you to feel like that as we have table discussion that this is something that you have to do. Um, one of the big reasons is that we've taken on this format of being able to sit around tables with one another is that it just simply gives us the ability to be in each other's presence, to share one another's company, um, be able to see each other's faces, uh, maybe just even know one each other's names. So again, if you'd like just to sit and, and not have to share, um, definitely take that posture on. But we'll op uh, now just go to a time of uh, closing conversation and questions, and you can lead around your table as you'd like. Let's enter into that dialogue with one another. 